Welcome to Trinity College Dublin and to our academic practice podcast, Coffee and Cobblestones. My name is Kira O'Farrell. I'm head of academic practice and I'm joined here today by Professor Kevin Mitchell, Senior Lecturer, Dean of Undergraduate Studies, and by Megan O'Connor, Education Officer and Deputy President of the Trinity College Dublin Students' Union. You're both very welcome. And before we discuss your views on whether or not exam hall exams should be a thing of the past post pandemic i wonder could you tell us a little bit about your journeys to your current roles so my name is megan o'connor i'm this year's su education officer um and i am working on all things student representation within academic specific um areas across the college so um i'm not sure how i ended up here to be totally honest with you i um just ended up signing up as a rest in first year in front square that freshers fair that we all know and love um and it just kind of went from there um i was involved with the academic senate um i served as off-campus officer last year i'm a general nursing graduate myself so um those work placement issues and things were something that were very close to my own heart and the more i worked with that the more interest i gained in academic policy and put myself forward for this position last year and uh here we are so um, it's been a very, very interesting year, um, but I'm enjoying it. It's afforded um, me a lot of opportunities and getting to meet very interesting people along the way as well. So um, that's me. My name's Kevin Mitchell. I'm the Senior Lecturer or Dean of Undergraduate Studies um, and have been since 2018 um, or 2019. I, everything's a blur, Kira. Um, before that, I was I was the associate dean of undergrad science education and um, involved in the renewal of the science programs here at, at undergrad level, which was very exciting. And then um, a senior lecturer took on some of the role in the um, Trinity Education Project, which was looking at our undergrad programs and, um, in particular, the the logistics of how we can allow students to have lots of breadth and flexibility and choice um, that, that that we wanted to build into the curriculum. So that's been interesting. And then, of course, over the last year, it's been uh, putting out fires uh, and trying to, well, not just react to, but anticipate the problems of the COVID pandemic to make sure that we can keep, uh, keep the show on the road. Right. I, I've had lots of conversations with you both about assessment. Uh, which leads me to my first question in, in, in a university like Trinity, which has for years been the dominant assessment type has been these timed written exams with hundreds of us, hundreds of students crammed into exam halls, trying desperately to remember what they've crammed into their heads. And obviously coronavirus um, has really forced us to change how we assess. And with a vaccine um, about to be rolled out, I suppose for the first time we can really dare to think about a post-pandemic university. So my question to you both is, um, in that post-pandemic university scenario, should we return to exams as we as we knew them? Who'd like to start? Oh, I'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll let Megan have first crack there. Okay, um, Megan, off you go. Absolutely not. That is a passionate no. Um, I think it would be a, a crying shame to see us just go back to normal practices. And look, they were there for a reason and there, there was a reason that they were done. But I guess the question that I would put to you is when was the last time you used Pythagoras' theorem? Do you know, we and have, assessments, 
culture across the entire country that's just systemically flawed and that's not just in higher education it goes the whole way down where we encourage rote learning and students who do really really well in their leaving cert have particular skills with being able to memorize essays and things like that and we're really only assessing students in one particular way and there's you know we talk so much about pedagogy and learning theory and everything else um, but we very rarely see it in practice and we have students with disabilities who you know are just completely disadvantaged in in these kind of certain areas so um ab absolutely not i think we've actually been afforded an incredible opportunity with the things that have happened in the last 12 months and has as awful it is as awful as it has been and as much as people have lost um we're now facing into something where we have the opportunity to change this. You know, there's been so much research and so much talk about um, how we need to diversify assessments. I mean, the Trinity Education Project spent seven years talking about it, um, but we didn't do it. Students just ended up being assessed more as opposed to assessed differently. And if we can encourage students to think critically and master their subject and apply their knowledge to real life situations, that's preparing students for life. That's, you know, the Trinity graduate attributes that we all talk about so much. Um, and I, I think that's at its core. So absolutely not. I think sometimes um, high pressure exam situations have a place in, you know, being able to calm yourself and practice. And I don't think that's going anywhere. But um, for us to all end up going back to the RDS for two weeks at the end of every year, um, absolutely not. I would be I would be very disappointed to see anything like that, I think, because we definitely have, have so much opportunity. Yeah, and, um, I, I would completely agree with Megan there. I, I think we the, the pandemic has given us an opportunity. It's shaken us out of our of our sort of um, inertia in, in the way that we've done things. And it's made people realize that actually there are other ways to do assessments and, and the sort of traditional uh, view that there's only one good way to do it is has clearly been proven wrong. So um, I certainly hope that we will not return to, like you said, cramming students into the RDS and and them just regurgitating information that they've crammed into their heads because it has very little relation to what they will do in the rest of their lives in whether they're in that discipline or not. Um, you know, n none of us in our daily lives has to remember a whole bunch of stuff. You know, if we, we need to know stuff, we'll look it up. Uh, and um, the, the point is to understand it and to be able to use it. And as Megan said, to demonstrate mastery of it, of the material, that's what we should be assessing. And that's what we should be teaching towards. And the real um, danger of having a, a limited sort of assessment framework is that it limits the way that we teach the material. And and that's really the the crucial difference. And um, you know, as Megan said, part of the Trinity Education Project was to foster this change in assessment culture, which would go along with a, a different culture of pedagogy. And it was very very difficult to make progress on that. But the um, the shift to online methods has really been very positive. And I think. For example, you know, moving to take-home exams, open book exams or assessments, as opposed to closed book assessments, really me me means you have to write your questions differently. You have to 
demand that students demonstrate an understanding of the material. Um, they're not going to get any credit for just regurgitating details when you know that they can just copy them down, um, you know, at their at their leisure with their um, open book exam. W one thing I will say is assessments won't go away. So students want assessments actually and, and, and in fact they're part of the product that we offer to students as uh, as as horribly utilitarian as that sounds um because you know the students get a credential from the university and uh, actually the grades that they get on that credential matter to them they matter to employers they matter to prospective you know phd programs or master's programs and so on so I don't see us moving away from assessments altogether or from grading altogether, but I do hope that we can get a more holistic kind of approach to assessment that actually makes those credentials and grades even more useful because they really show these students really understand what they're doing here. Um, they really have mastered that material and they can deploy it in the real world. Yeah, and if I could actually reply to that, I think it's, you know, we all seem to know this. Um, and I think that's why it's so exciting because that knowledge is there, you know, the recognition of that is there. But also for, from a student point of view, not only do I believe that, you know, this more diverse form of assessment will be more accurate of, you know, the students who do think critically and be able to apply that knowledge, but students will learn so much more from that alternative form of assessment. You know, we, we did a couple of surveys there um, last year, the STEM convener. Um, conducted a very large survey in, in the STEM faculty um, and it was overwhelmingly positive because students learned so much more from open book exams. Um, I'm sure I'm not alone in saying that I couldn't tell you what I wrote in any of my papers in the RDS. <laughs> the stress of going in, you, you walk out and you've forgotten what you've written. Um, and, you know, feedback and everything from that is very, very difficult. You get your grade and you move on. You don't reflect on the work that you have done. Um, you know, you don't really sit with it. It's just a panic to get as many, you know, words on a piece of paper as you possibly can in a two-hour period while, um, while just trying to show your knowledge. So, you know, I think it's it's a very multifactorial kind of thing. But I think not only will the assessment be more appropriate, and students will gain so much more from yeah. the open book exam. I absolutely agree. I think I mean the the key thing really is the learning experience, and um, and one of the aspects is that the um you know having a diversity of assessments is i think the key thing so that you get a diversity of learning experiences um and also you know in terms of the the assessments themselves and the grades it's really not fair to just use one type of assessment that some students might be very good at and others not so good at it, you know when that when that being good at that is not very indicative of anything else necessarily. So giving students the opportunity to, um, you know, to, to show some creativity, to take part in, in, in group work, to do some, you know, longer essays or shorter types of questions. And, you know, it's all subject specific, of course, and there will be, there will still be some real time exams. We're not going to move away from that completely. And th those are appropriate in some areas where, you know, you really do want to know that your students know the details of whatever it is you're teaching, right? I mean, there, there, there's a place for that. Um, the key thing is that that's not the only method that we use. So what I see in our future, I guess, is that we have a kind of a mixed um, 
portfolio of assessment types that reflect this mixture of teaching and learning methods um, that, that collectively can give, you know, not just the, the training in, in the specific content that we're trying to get across, but the, the larger skills and the graduate attributes that we're also trying to foster through the educational experience. Is that balance that you spoke about, Kevin, becoming more precarious due to some growing concerns over plagiarism and cheating? Forbes has just published an article about an ed tech company called Chegg, uh, which is described by some as a, as a cheating service, essentially where students pay $15 a month to get answers to questions, assignment questions. And the amazing thing is, is that Chegg is the most valuable ed tech company in the US at the moment. I suppose my question is, is there any hope that we can really move beyond closed book or proctored exams, given these growing concerns academics have over plagiarism? I think we don't have a choice, <laughs> to, be, to be honest with you. Um, and I think, the, the conversation surrounding the necessity of proctoring is actually the most harmful of all because I think it completely undermines the assessment methods. Um, and, you know, we see proctoring software that's available to us, um, you know, with a number of different companies and they're, they're tracking eye movement and things, which is completely unfair. You know, you've students with disabilities that are going to be really significantly impacted by that. It's, it's just not usable. You can't stand by that. And also, there's always going to be room for error. So are we going to go around questioning students all the time? You know, we're not trying to catch people out. We should be encouraging people um, to do to do better. And I, actually, myself and the senior lecturer are both sitting on the um, National Academic, Academic Integrity Network at the minute. And there's it's a very, very active conversation. And I mean, this year um, we saw SA Mills um, finally becoming illegal. Um, and I think that's something that is, it hasn't really been a very active conversation. I'm not sure if you've ever seen it, but if you tweet, if you put out a tweet saying like, I wish somebody would write this essay for me, you'll have a bot reply to you um, with options and they can like DM you with these links to these websites that write articles for you. And students don't know the risks associated with that. Um, so I think things like this have been going on for a very, very long time. We just haven't been forced to look at them dead in the eye in the way that we have in the last 12 months um, but it will be difficult but I think in order to overcome those concerns we need to change the types of assessment so I think they're yeah they're completely linked but um, we certainly I don't we don't have a choice because yeah. we can't go around questioning everyone that we yeah. won't win <laughs> nobody wins there yeah again I would agree with Megan there I think the you know what are what are our options? Either we go back to face-to-face -face exams that are you know real-time exams, people, you know the traditional ones which nobody likes. I mean, really, the students don't like them, the faculty don't like them. They're just not good for anybody, and everybody agrees on that. Or we go to a kind of a virtual um, version of the same thing, which has all of the negative problems uh, associated with it in terms of the learning outcomes that it fosters and it just isn't as good at the invigilation. So it's it's like the worst of both worlds. Um, and, and, you know, searching for a technological fix here, I think is the wrong angle to take. Not that there aren't many companies that are doing that. 
But um, I think the, the way to do this is not to try to spend so much effort detecting and punishing it, but to spend more effort preempting and preventing it and, and making it almost pointless to do it um, by, you know, thinking about the way that we teach and the kinds of questions that we ask so that um, the, the incentives are not there so much for that kind of approach. Now, that's uh, frankly easier said than done. Um, there, there may always be someone out there who can write a, you know, an essay that demonstrates the kind of conceptual understanding of behavioral genetics, for example, you know, that I'm teaching right now, um, as well as any of the students who've sat through my lectures, potentially. Um, I like to think not, but who knows? Um, but you know, there's, the, I, I'd rather see us pursue that avenue um, and and even you know replace individual assessments with more sort of uh, you know ongoing group work or other kinds of activities and so on. You know just don't rely so heavily on those particular elements. Um, the one thing I will say that surprised me about the company Chegg and other ones like it is that they um, that they know that that use of their um, service is illegal. And they all they all say, oh, this is terrible. Students are inappropriately using our service. Uh, of, they're, they're submitting exam questions or essays. This is this is awful. And in fact, if you contact them, if the university contacts them, they will rat out the students. They'll they'll tell you, oh yeah, that student used our service uh, for this. So they're it, the, the the sort of um, legal aspects of it are. Um, well, they're almost comical uh, at this stage, actually, but it's a very, very rapidly evolving space. So we'll have to keep our eye on it. Yeah, and you know, in, in response to that, you know, there'd be some students across the country that have been bribed by companies like this or bribed by individuals who wrote their papers saying, I'm going to tell your university if you don't pay me this much money. Um, and then the question is, if someone is called up for cheating after graduating, what happens to their degree? Like it's that's a, it's a it's an absolute minefield it's, it's really not something but also um on the note of proctoring I think there's been a lot of conversation with academic practice here locally you know there's been some really fantastic projects um launched in the last year or so but somebody recently commented something that I really stuck with me and it was that, that they hadn't read many good white papers that were only written by one person um and that academia is collaborative and we talk so much about the college community um whereas if we're having proctoring and students are worried about their classmates cheating and doing better we're encouraging this really competitive um situation that nobody gains from you know we don't want students pitting up against their classmates they should be helping each other and elevating and learning from each other um and that's something that we've seen so much this year um with the transition to online learning that people aren't able to have those same conversations um so i think that's that's another aspect of it that's very worrying but i do think it's something that um we can definitely overcome once it's given the time it deserves well it sounds like you're agreed that we shouldn't go back to the good old days of exam holes but we really do need to think instead about how we assess and and, and why we assess Okay, Kevin, Megan, thank you so much for your reflections and your insights. I love this stuff. <laughs> I just talk about this stuff all we'll day. We'll get you back again, Megan. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's so interesting. Like, it's it's exciting. We're pushing an open door at the minute. So it's, um, it's so active. 
Yeah. 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 There is yeah, some work yeah. to get it right, yeah, though. Um, get, you know, because yeah, what we, the last thing we'd want is to get it wrong and then have a reaction mm -hmm. where people go, mm -hmm. they just sort of revert um, to what they, yeah. what they have a comfort level with. Um, so yeah. there is a challenge yeah. there to, there's an opportunity, but, uh, but we have to rise to it um, to, to get it right, I think. Well, here's to those opportunities. Thanks again.